There we go. Hey, welcome to another live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Ryan Fulford, AD Drew here. Drew, I, I feel like it's uh, it's been forever since I've seen you. I mean, America, America's seen you a lot, Drew. I have I have seen you very few, uh, very few. Uh, what are you doing over there? How you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right, my brother. How you doing, man? Trying to get my uh, iPad bit, straight. Yeah, a little, little bit of a uh, – I'm getting my voice back after team camp. You know, it's summer basketball season. So, you know, uh, working with the working with the youngers, the youngins, the incoming freshmen. Uh, had a good weekend, went three and one. How about this? We, we lose a game, Drew, uh, by two points. First game out uh, with um, um, uh, first first game out of the box on Friday, right? We lose a game by two. Had the ball in our possession at the end of the game, so we had a chance to win. But here's the key stat: right. free throws. Right now, you know, in the summer, in the summer, you usually do things like one free one throw counts as two. Free. Yeah, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, one for two, one for three. Usually until the last minute or so, then you play real basketball. Exactly. We missed 14 free throws. 14. So, and and uh, and this includes even having one of my quote-unquote older players actually end up with the, uh, he got a little mouthy with the official and got, uh, got tossed. And I'm sitting there like, I'm talking to him get, like, how do you get tossed? Yes, how do you get tossed in the first summer league game of the of, of the summer? And I'm like, you're supposed wow. to be the quote unquote leader. You played for me before. You're supposed to be setting the example for all these incoming freshmen, and then you get mouthy because you don't like the call that the official made. And I'm sitting there trying to talk to the ref. I'm like, Mr. Ref, come on! I was about to get him out the game. You didn't have to give him a tech. He was like, yeah, I had to give him a tech, coach. I was like, he didn't cuss at you, did he? So I'm just like, come on now. So what what were you going to say? Well, first of all, having referee summer basketball at that level, you know, summer camps, play days, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
we've been known to give out technical files in the summertime like candy for a couple of reasons. <laughs> Number one, there's no paperwork required in the summertime. When you give out a technical file during the season, there's always some type of paperwork that you have to do. Number one. Number two. Wait a minute. You got to file paper. Wait a minute. You got to file paperwork in the summer? No, not in, in the summertime. You don't have to file paperwork. In the regular season, oh, you I have to you. file paperwork. Right, yeah. right, right. Number two, you'd rather for me to tee your child up in June than in January so that, he, so that he can figure it out. Right, so, right. So you know, and 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 and, and, and I'm gonna put this out there: the money that you make in the summertime, you're really donating your time, because <laughs> especially when you compare it to what you make in the regular season, you know, you may be making about fifteen, twenty, twenty-five percent of what you make in the regular season doing these summer games, and you got to do five, six, seven of them to make the amount that you may make in one regular season game. Yeah, there's very little at low tolerance. Plus, let's be real, Brian. And yes, I'll just get on my soapbox and talk about this generation of athlete. This generation of athlete is spoiled, does not (laughs) respect authority, and they, they just, they don't get it. The stuff that they pull on us as coaches, if we would have pulled that, we would have been so far removed from the basketball team or would have been, as they used to say, run to the coach, get tired, or run to your throw up, whichever comes first. That's what would have happened back in our day. That You can't do that anymore. And every no, now and then... No, you- Every now and then, you you I, you really want to do that just to prove a point, like respect son or respect daughter, which whatever whatever gender that you're coaching. I will. I agree. I won't say it's all kids, because there are still oh the parent the parents the, ain't no better. I okay. I'll say the increase is by about maybe 40 percent from maybe what it was thirty years ago maybe even 50%. You know, I don't want to typecast it and say it's all, but yeah, we te- look like this. You're in education. I'm in education. Teachers know uh, our kids are losing respect. Let me most a lot. Some are losing respect. Uh, they're not giving respect. Now, you know, I think with that, they 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 do feel this is a generation of kids that feel more uh, empowered. That's another thing that we have to remember. They feel more empowered because they have more information. See, think about how we used to have to go searching for information. Nowadays, all the information these kids want, they can get. So, with that said, I think they are a little more empowered, but. I think they do want to be led. They do want to be loved. Uh, They just, you know, obviously we made dumb decisions. They're making dumb decisions. Uh, It's all about support, though. Do you have the support at home? Do you as coaches and teachers have the support at home? So, you know, you know that every coach knows the heart of their kids. Like the kid who made the, the technical for me, he's a good kid. 
Uh, but yes, at times he can get frustrated. And when he doesn't check his frustration level, uh, he sometimes turns his comments and attention towards the wrong people. In this case, he turned it towards an official. Now, I have to do a better job, and I as coaches, we have to talk to our kids because I feel in this day and age, that same mistake that you make on the court, you do in public, maybe coming out of a restaurant or a club where now you're dealing with other hot-headed teenagers or young adults, and then there's law enforcement involved, and then it becomes a dangerous situation. So that's where we have to sort of help our kids kind of understand that you can't win that that moment, <laughs> that moment with an official on the court. You're not that's not how you talk to him to win that moment. You know, it, it's the same thing that we see in other sports, like in baseball. Uh, well, you know, I, what I was going to use in baseball is, you know, how you never seen an argument overturned when the manager goes out to argue a call in baseball. It's like you rarely see it get overturned, you know. Uh, so I, I, I just think it's just, it's just one of those things. But, but back to my let, weekend, let, let, it was a good. Let me get, let me get the last point on this before, before we transition off of this. Uh, th- this, your players. I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna single that one out. But do, you, do your players play a lot of AAU basketball? Now, let, let's be clear. What you mean is, you mean club basketball. We have to stop calling it as AAU. Tra- tra- travel basketball. Travel. Yes, yes. Well, th- this particular young man does not, but I have uh, a few kids who do play travel club ball. Yes. Okay. And every June, I had this problem. When they transitioned back from club basketball, back to the structure of high high Uh-oh. basketball yeah. uh, uh, close your eyes everybody <laughs> back to <laughs> junior high basketball or club basketball you know because the structure is not there at at that level due to the top the lack of time commitment and it's no offense because i coach club ball you coach club ball also but because you don't get the everyday coaches meet once twice a week and sometimes teams are shuttling people in you know you don't even practice with this team you just play with them on the weekends it's hard to establish that structure especially when you're paying three hundred dollars to go participate in this tournament, three, four hundred dollars go participate in, in a tournament. You know, coaches won't take money's worth. They think that they deserve something because they didn't pay three hundred dollars to enter into this tournament. These kids have paid whatever they had to pay to that club to participate in the tournament, plus the hotels, plus the food and everything like that. I understand the value of it. I understand you want your money's worth, but that still does not give you the right to act ignorant on on the court not saying that that young man acted ignorant but i'm just i'm just talking in general right now that don't give mommy and daddy the right to be ignorant to the coaches or to the referees on, on that court that's why so many referees are walking away from the game 
and now I'm gonna get into my story. I actually happened to referee a, t- a tournament this weekend. You know, okay. uh, don't don't referee as much as I used to anymore, especially after I had uh, I had ankle surgery last year. So I, I've been refereeing very few and far between. Uh, still, still not back to 100. percent May probably never will be 100. percent So anyway, I had a scorekeeper wanted to argue with me over a rule. <laughs> I, I get. I'm paid to know the rules. That's why I'm on the court. Mm-hmm. I you can you can get mad whether I called the foul, whether I did. You thought he traveled, I didn't call it, whatever. I, that's a judgment call. You have the right to state your opinion yeah, sure. respectfully about sure. about a judgment call, but sure. don't argue sure. with me about a rule. That's why they pay me. I know this. I know that rule book. I know three rule books, four rule books. I have to know mm. the, the collegiate rule book, the high school rule book, and every other little league that I referee in. So here's the play. Alternating possession. Uh, we uh, we had one team with the ball. I don't remember which team. We I would just say the white, the team in white. We had the team in white. Uh, with the ball. Me and the referee on the court had the table white with the ball. And this is just after we got into the debate about at halftime, you know, you know, the referee always go over tell you flip the arrow. You flip the arrow, but the possession actually stays with the same team. You just flip the direction of the arrow. So if it was white's ball at half uh, going into halftime, it's still white's ball coming out of halftime. It's just the right. direction that white is going has changed. That's why you flip the arrow on the table, but the book stays the same. Everything right. else stays the same. Okay. We just, we had this discussion about five minutes before that the possession stays the same with the team. It does not change because of halftime. It's still that other team's ball. So first alternating position. So, Halftime, that team gets it. So first alternate possession of the quarter, of the half, we have an issue. He he squares up and down. I gave it to the wrong team. Brian, I may have given it to the wrong team. But me and the other referee had the same thing. But the ball was counts. already in. Here's the thing. The ball was already in play. Once he noticed, once he said that we already had to uh, give the ball to the wrong team. The rule is. At that point, because we have already put the ball in play, this person is taking two, three dribbles up the court. I cannot take that ball away from him. You can't correct that. He he decided he wanted to argue with me from the table. Quickly. The score to the scorekeeper. The scorekeeper. Quickly. Whose job is to keep the score. Keep the score. Now, if he'd caught me on the sideline, if he'd caught me on the sideline before I inbounded the ball. We could have corrected it if it was wrong. Once that once that ball is covered in, came in, two to the dribbles down, I can't correct it, even if I'm 100% wrong. Can't fix it at that point. That's the rule. Look at any, look at any rule book, any level, that is the rule. I'm not supposed to argue with you over something I know. Coach, I need a new scorekeeper. And then, of course, uh, he decides he wants to cuss me out on the way out of the door. Of course. Course. Then after the after at at the after about three games later, he he snuck he snuck back in there. 
and he wanted to cuss me out again. Wow. Guess what? Guess now what? you got to call the police for trespassing. Well, the, 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 tur- the tournament, the site director was there. She, she handled it appropriately. But now I'm, 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 I'm changing out my basketball officials uniform into street clothes. So okay. I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, bro, I'm not the one you want to mess with. Trust me. I'm not the one you want to mess with. So he started talking all this stuff, talking about beat him in the parking lot and all that stuff. I'm like, go ahead, beat yourself in the parking lot. I ain't got time for it. Yeah, I was like, and, and, and then I hit him with the line and made everybody look. I was like, I'm like, bro, I, I get more than this check. I, I get I get another check too, and I ain't took my medicine in, in uh in a couple of days. You don't want to mess with me. And mess was not the word that I used. Unbelievable, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a good I'm summer sorry. weekend. I'm, I'm telling sorry. you what, our, our, some, you our first summer weekend. You took me down the road. Then I did not want to go the, down. Ridiculous, ridiculousness ensuing in our first weekend away from uh, from school. But uh, gotta love it. Uh, shout out to uh, Tamara T, Karen Griffin, Will Mayor, Marcelin on YouTube. Anybody else watching us on Facebook? Shout out to uh, you guys. Uh, if you're watching us, uh, make sure to hit the thumbs up button wherever you are, YouTube, uh, Facebook. You might even be watching us on YouTube. We appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed to the Black College Sports Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MyBCSN1, the number one. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Apple Play Store, My JBN, My BCSN. So uh, after that uh, very long opening, they're talking about <laughs> basketball in our opening weekend. Uh, the spring sports season kind of came to a close this past weekend. Uh, baseball came to an end for the MEAC and the SWAC champions. Um, Coppin State, the MEAC champs, were in the uh, East Carolina Regional, uh, having to take on a pair of Carolina schools. Uh, didn't fare too well on day one against ECU. The whole school lost 17-1. to one. But game two, which was out of the loser's bracket, they actually, uh, uh, you know, held up, looked pretty decent. Uh, you know, at one point had a two-to-one lead uh, after two innings against Coastal Carolina. And uh, if it maybe had not been for giving up three runs in the fourth, another three in the seventh, actually there were five consecutive innings where uh, Coppin State gave up some runs to Coastal, uh, including, I think, a pair of home runs uh, to Coastal Carolina. But then uh, Coppin trailing by a score of 10 to 2 going into the ninth inning, put up six runs in the top of the ninth inning, including it looks like a pair of home runs by Brian Nicholas, Josh Hankins, um, you know, Coppin. This was this was their first ever trip to the regionals. Uh, a young squad drew uh, by my, by all measures a lot of what freshmen and sophomores, if I'm not mistaken, on this roster. So this is a young baseball squad that. Uh, has to feel good about how they finished. You had a chance to see Coppin. Um, 
what what's your well you I mean you had a chance to see him in the MIAC uh finals uh, or in the MIAC tournament uh, how yeah. how would you say how would you rate Coppin's performance or how did they fare in your opinion in the ECU regionals scrappy they they are a scrappy team uh Nothing seemed to get this uh, team down. Uh, only got to watch it for those two games that I was there, the uh, the championship game and the if game. And even in the if game, excuse me, the championship game versus Delaware State, even though they trailed the entire game, you could see them fighting, trying to stay in the game, positive attitude, everything else. In the if game, they trailed in the if game after seven innings, if I remember correctly, uh, yes, I believe they trailed after seven innings, and then they just opened up a can in in the last two innings to finally uh, win that game, eighteen to twelve. Of course, the, the lack of pitching by by both teams didn't help in that particular game, but the fact that they stayed attentive, the uh, they 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 were ready, and then when they had the opportunity, they put their foot on. Delaware State's neck. Seemed like they tried to do the same thing in this uh, game versus uh, was it was it East Carolina the one that they came back uh, on? Yeah, um, uh, the, uh, East, the second not, day yeah, two, East, day two against uh, uh, Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina. I, it was one of those Carolinas. You know that that did not surprise me that they made that comeback against them because I I watched it in the MIAC tournament. Right, right. Uh, head coach Sherman Reed uh, did a great job with this group. Uh, he's been at Coppin for, I think this was his 12th or 13th season. Uh, they've only got three seniors. Now, these are seniors. I don't know if these are COVID seniors or not, but they've only got three listed on their roster, which I'm taking a look at. And then they've got uh, a few, you know, then the next group, you got a, a bunch of redshirt juniors, redshirt sophomores, some true sophomores, and almost probably a, at least nearly a dozen freshmen, uh, maybe but about, you know. Buyer beware on those freshmen. Because are these COVID freshmen? Are these COVID? Fr- you got three levels of freshmen. You got true freshmen, COVID freshmen, and red shirt freshmen. Well, yeah, I don't know how they're designating that because if you're a freshman, you technically – I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into that. Because that, because see, see, yeah, a lot of these kids, the uh, obviously 2020, they got 2020 back. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a freshman coming in, depending on the number, you're done. Depending on the number of games, wait, depending on the number of games you played in 2021, right? That's why I say, are you a true freshman, which is a 2022? Are you considered a redshirt freshman? Or you yeah, but aren't you listing COVID freshman? Aren't you listing? You're, you're you're listing on the website based on your hours, right? No, no, your hour, no, because your you're, hours on the yard. There lot, there, no, there are a lot of people uh, who are freshmen on the court and juniors in the classroom because of COVID, and that's at that's at multiple institutions. All right, well, I I don't know. Maybe you know what. That's a great discussion. I'm I sh- I'm going to bring this up to the HBCU Pro Sports Media. We need to put in a request 
to the athletic directors to create a uniform standard and request that for the 22-23 season that all athletic departments please designate whether this is a true freshman, redshirt freshman, or COVID, whatever grade. Sophomore by that time, but yes, we got you. Put a a C dash. C dash junior or C dash redshirt junior. I don't care, but somehow there needs to be <laughs> CR. We need to have a yes yeah, CR whatever. We need to have a designated uh, uh, scar, almost like a scarlet letter. I hate to say it that way, but we need to put a C so we know who the COVID kids are. So we know, so that as we're guessing eligibility, we're gonna be dealing with this to twenty five. Uh, yeah, that that's why I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. I'm 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 bringing this up so any of our fellow HBCU Pro Sports Media Association folks out there, I would like to make a motion uh, at the next meeting that we adopt a <laughs> that we, we adopt a, yes, a resolution that we adopt a uniform standard for, uh, for, for these COVID seniors or COVID classifications. Uh, Alabama State in the SWAC. Uh, so let me go back. Coppin State finished 24 and 30. Alabama State finished uh, with two losses, finished their regular 34-25 and 25 in the Knoxville Regional. They went up against Tennessee, the number one team in the country. Actually, look, 10-0, and 0, I mean, losing 10 to nothing, uh, I don't think they really got ran out of the building. When you go back and look at the box score against Tennessee, uh, true enough, they did not score. But outside of the sixth inning, in which they gave up five runs to Tennessee. That was the only multi-run inning. Um, you know, they gave up 15 hits. So uh, I, I thought uh, Alabama State uh, fared and represented themselves as, as well as can be expected against a, a tough Tennessee squad. I thought they might have a shot against Georgia Tech. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. They lost 13-4 to four, uh, to Tech. Uh, they did have an early two to one lead, which they carried into the top of the third inning, and that's when uh, Georgia Tech and their bats kind of got hot. So, um, uh, Georgia Alabama State season comes to an end, but um, you know, I, I thought they I thought they represented themselves as well as can be expected. Your your thoughts on Alabama State and and their finish? I mean. Number one team in the nation. And then you played another top 20 team in the nation, if I do remember correctly, in Georgia Tech, and top 25 team in the nation. What what do you expect out of, out of, out of them, you know? I, I, hats off to Coach Vasquez and the Alabama State Hornets for – getting there, representing, not being embarrassed. And that's what it's all about with uh, cop of competent Alabama State. Getting to the next level and not being embarrassed, you know. Not not not, not setting records for the uh, largest uh, margin of defeat or, so, or something along those lines. Most home runs get. No, none of that happened. They just came. They competed. And also a better team. What more do you expect? Exactly. Didn't get run off the uh, run off the diamond, uh, so to speak. Uh, now, just to just to clarify, we didn't have any schools competing 
in the Division Two baseball playoffs. Um, so that pretty much Spring, Spring puts Hill was the SIAC champion, so there yeah, were no HBCUs. So, yeah, no HBCUs. So that pretty much uh, ends. That's why we created the Tyson Foods Black College World Series. Oh, sure. I'm sorry. Yep. It wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Uh, the, the, uh, I was taking a shot. I was taking a shot at NCAA because we didn't have any HBCUs. That's why we created the Tyson Foods Black College World Series. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah, you had me worried. I'm like, oh, what I missed? What I missed? Thought I missed something there. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> over into uh, the softball world, though. Um, obviously, we're we're familiar. Our, our softball team. Uh, the, well, I should say the Division One softball teams did not fare very well. Uh, but on the Division Two level. Not yet, nope, not, not yet, yet, not yet. That's all right. We're, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, we keep flashing it. We'll we'll tell you about our final division. We'll tell you about our final division one rankings for softball here in just a moment. A uh, little teaser there, and uh, division two Claflin, uh, Claflin out of the CIAA. Correct. Hope I got that right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Sometimes sometimes I have to. You know, you know things, but you don't know because you don't really say it a lot. I'm, I'm just going through my head. Anyway, I mean, when, uh, when, when have we ever mentioned Claflin on our sh- on our show? Very rarely, but now we are because the uh, Claflin Lady Panthers um, got a win in the two Division Two Atlantic Region Tournament with a three to two win over. Uh, the number three ranked Bloomsburg Huskies. Uh, the Lady Panthers overcame some inclement weather, three extra innings to secure their first regional tournament win in school history. And so that was uh, that was a big win. And so the Panthers had improved at that point to 22 and 14 and had definitely made history in uh, in that moment. And then had a chance. I then had to take on the number six Shippenburg Raiders uh, the next morning. And uh, unfortunately, they lost that competition, lost that contest. I think 3-0, was it? You you missed one, though, Brian. Uh, Brian. They picked up two wins I in did. the tournament. Wait yes. a minute. They picked up. Okay. Okay. My bad. I jumped. I jumped. Uh, yeah. I jumped a game. Yeah. They defeated Shippenburg. Okay. So where Five am I? Okay. Two. So. You posted they, this story. They actually so made didn't... it to the regional finals. They, Thank you. They, they okay. should, those should be in order. They made it to the regional finals. Ah, see, they, that's what I did. Okay. Right. Having, having to obviously win two coming out of the loser's bracket and were, uh, were unable to win the first game to force the second game. Gotcha. Clapton's right. run to the regional finals, I believe that may be the deepest run that's the deepest run in my memory for a Division II team in softball. You know, a few years ago, I know Tuskegee picked up a win in the regionals, and I think this may be the first time that HBCU has picked up a win in the regionals since Tuskegee. I believe that was either 2014 or 2015 when Tuskegee picked up that win. Okay. Uh, and, and I guess uh, they did end up, Losing in the end, as you mentioned, to uh, Seton Hall, Seton Hill, not Seton Hall, Seton Hill, uh, 11-0. Yeah. They finished with a 23-15 and 15 
record overall. Uh, so, you know, congratulations to Claflin. Um, you know, a historic run, reached the championship game of the Division II Atlantic Region Tournament for the first time in school history, set a school record for NCAA tournament victories, uh, going, uh, what, two and two and two? Two and two, yes. Two and two, yeah. So uh, now if you – I don't know if I, I'm going to do a quick – see how quickly this takes me. I was going to do a quick little glance to see how, how this roster shakes out in terms of, you know, their their classification, in terms of what this class looks like, you know, how many how many seniors are on this. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven seniors. But again, asterisk, because we don't know how many of these are COVID seniors or not. So, uh, congratulations, Coach uh, Jose Gonzalez and the uh, ladies of Claflin uh, for for what they did. All right, Drew, before we go to the break, let's give our softball end of the season final rankings, top five rankings, just softball. So uh, our producer, if uh, she can queue up, our graphics for softball only, and then we'll take a break and then we'll, we'll release the baseball. So fingers crossed and we'll see what we got here. Those are the yellow graphics, uh, Madam producer. Division one, division one in softball. We have, (laughs) I will go ahead and read them while I wait. Uh, (laughs) I'll go ahead and read them. There we know. go. We got them? Okay, because I had moved off of we it. We got it. All right. Board. For five to one, Bethune-Cookman, number five, number four, Prairie View A&M. You know, what an amazing season for Prairie View, winning the SWAT, coming all the way. I mean, starting their season 0-19. I mean, wow. I mean, and to do what they did, um, finishing – what, 20 and 9 down the stretch, 20 and 10. Um, so congratulations to Prairie View. Um, Texas Southern finishes third. Uh, you can see their record. Uh, Morgan State finishes number two, uh, 31 and 15 by percentage. Maybe had a better win-loss percentage. But number one goes to the champs, the MEAC champions, Howard, who made history uh, this year. I believe it was Howard's first softball title uh, with a record of 31 and 24. So congratulations to the Howard Lady Bison. Any, any beef with the, the computers on? Any beef with the computers on Division One, Brian? Uh, me? No, 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 no beef from me. No beef from me. No, I, you know, no, right. I can, I'll never argue with a computer. Never. All right. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Division two softball. Division two softball. Uh, number five. We've got uh, Benedict coming in at number five, record of twenty nine and nineteen. Number four is Virginia State, twenty and thirteen, uh, jumping well ahead with the most wins. Albany State, thirty five and nine. Most wins of I think the year. They had, 
more wins than any than anyone on any level when it comes to softball. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you know, as these things are, you, what you got to win your you got to win your tournament. Yeah, got to win your tournament. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Claflin, of course, as you can see, finished up number two overall, twenty three and fifteen. And even though they they had the deepest run, but uh, Tuskegee. Um, probably based on strength of schedule, squeezes by Claflin by just a few points, uh, and Tuskegee ends up as our number one team. I got to imagine, Drew, had Claflin won that regional, they probably would have finished number one. I, I'm just guessing. Uh, you would, you were probably correct. But but the two wins in the regional is what vaulted because Claflin, I believe, were was number three going into the last poll before the last ranking before we uh did the final so those two win the conference win along with the wins in the regionals allow clafter to really jump up there right right okay moving over to the neia level in softball top five rankings at number five we had jarvis christian with a 19 and 26 overall record. Number four was Talladega, 12 and 29 out of the Southern States. Uh, Xavier came in at number three from the Red River. Uh, Houston Tillotson, 20 and 23. And then finishing number one overall in the NAIA. And wow, I mean, they are really going to be a powerful spring team. Not only softball, but baseball. I can't wait to see what Edward Waters is like in the SIAC. But number one, Edward Waters, 32 and 11 overall. Uh, with with can, uh, you, can you imagine the SIAC next year with Tuskegee? Got to include Spring Hill, even though they're not an HBCU. Albany, Benedict, and Edward Waters. Wow. Yeah, SIC softball is going to be uh, really, really tough. Uh, that, that's going to be a good, good division uh, to pay attention to next year. So um, we'll, we'll have to definitely get on that and uh, and, and, and make sure that coverage uh, looks good and make sure to give these ladies. So, again, congratulations to our uh, BCSN uh, champions, uh, Edward Waters in the NEIA level. Uh, Howard at the Division One level, Tuskegee at the Division Two level. Let's take a break and come back in a couple minutes with uh, a final rankings from the uh, from baseball and a few other news and notes from baseball, and uh, then we'll we'll kind of uh, hit a few other topics as well. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back in just a moment. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. 
Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, Always love hearing that commercial during our during our shows, Drew. Reminding me how hungry I am, the fact that I didn't eat dinner prior to doing our show. So nothing like seeing a good mango commercial before we get ready to come back on. And my stomach is like, I'm barely hungry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, shout out to everybody watching us on Facebook and uh, uh, YouTube. Appreciate you watching. Uh, hit the thumbs up button. Um, Shout out to Brian Simpkins who joined us on Facebook. Okay, okay. Uh, HBCU watching Pro us, Sports um, Media member. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, as we finish up the spring season, uh, we're looking at some baseball stuff. Um Black College Nines, their top 10 final poll. Poll. Now, we, these are polls, not, you know, this are human. Humans are actually ranking these for the most part, with the exception of the small school division, which awards uh, number one goes to the winner of the uh, Black College World Series. And so, of course, number one in the poll is Edward Waters University. Kentucky State finishes two. 
Of course, they, you know, were the runner-up this past year. Now, here's where the pollsters probably get involved. Number three was Albany State. Number four, Savannah State. Savannah State, who had a very good season, um, but uh, we didn't see them in Birmingham. Not yet, not yet, not yet. No, we're we're just yeah, we're just kind of reading off something else here. Um, West Virginia State is five, Florida Memorial six, Miles College seven, Russ College eight, Payne nine, Bluefield State ten. Any thoughts on that? Uh, the top ten poll is that kind of how you voted? Because uh, you you and I are both pollsters, so we'll we'll be transparent about that. Um, is that kind of how you had it? Saw it? Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's been about three weeks or so since I uh, voted in that poll. Uh, or let me just ask this: Maybe I, I had it was. Suggest- Did you give any I, more I, I, credit I, to the people that played in the World Series versus the teams that didn't? I'm uh the. The polls for Black College Nines is similar to what I did. I do not let's see. Yeah, I I had these same ten in. I believe I had them in a different order, though. I do not have a copy of my poll, uh, yeah. my last poll submission. I got, but you. I had those team those ten in. I believe I may have actually had Memorial ahead of West Virginia State. I think and I did same too. Thing with, and the same thing with Miles. I believe I may have had I, you know, probably, up there. Yeah. I probably went, but, uh, as uh, I'm uh, trying to recall, I, I think I went top four because uh, Florida Memorial and Miles were in the semifinals. Correct. Or I guess you could say they were in the finals of the, um, the Division two and the NAIA Championships. So I, I yeah. think I gave them credit for that and probably ranked them third and fourth. And then after that, probably went Albany State and then Savannah State, if I'm trying to recall how, how I did it. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts on the uh, small school division from Black College Nines or any, any other uh, thoughts? Let's, co- let's, let's, let's compare it to the computers. And, and now there's this Black College Nines is ran together as one whereas our computers have them have two separate polls. Okay, so uh, let's take a look at our Division II men baseball. This is the BCSN Top 5 Division II poll uh, ranking, excuse me, ranking, computer rankings. Um, there yep, we go. That one right there, which includes number five, West Virginia State, out of the Mountain East. Then you get a collection of SIAC schools where you have Miles at number four. Savannah State comes in with 34 wins at number three. Kentucky State finishes second. And then Albany State finishes uh, number one in Division Two. Um, so uh, it was pretty close there between Kentucky State and Savannah State, as you can see, but everything else was kind of how it went. And then let's go over to NAIA because, again, our NAIA 
we, we separate the top five rankings for the NAIA and Division II uh, in comparison to Black College Nines, which brings those two divisions together. And as you can see, number five, Talladega, four, Payne College, three was Rust. Florida Memorial ends up as two. And then clearly it's uh, Edward Waters, number one in the top five. So um, uh, in essence, Drew, in the NAIA level, Edward Waters finishes at the top of our top five rankings as our Black College National Champs and NAIA for baseball and softball. Let's talk about those diamond sports down in Jacksonville, Florida. And actually, when you go back and look at it, the Black College 9 and the BCSN computers had the those five in the NAIA division in the same order. The difference is Black College 9s had some Division 2s mixed in between them. But the NAIA were essentially in the same order. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, kind of steer left for just a moment because I know a lot of people as, as – you know, they embraced the Black College World Series, the Tyson Foods Black College World Series uh, for the NAIA in Division Two. A lot of people were asking about softball. Um, and so what are some of the challenges you think with trying to execute something similar for softball? Well, first of all, I will say, uh, and you heard it here on the BCSN Sports Wrap first, but it is on the table for softball. Maybe as early as 23, realistically in, in 24. Uh, so, so one, of the, one of the biggest challenges with softball will be the fact that the because of the timing, because this event has to run essentially concurrent to the Tyson Foods Black College World Series because these presidents and athletic directors will not keep these people on campus for for an extra week in order to let one tournament finish and the other one begin. So these tournaments have to run concurrent. Now, what the challenge with that is, A, do you host them both in the same city? and get all your HBCU Diamond Sports fans in the same city. Does that city have the hotel space to add four, six, or eight teams, depending on the size of the tournament, in addition to the other eight teams that are there with the Tyson Foods Black College World Series and obviously the manpower that it would take to run two concurrent tournaments? That That's, that's one challenge. Obviously, the biggest challenge is funding, making sure that you have enough funding available to do it. Now, you can save on funding by having them both in the same city, or it costs a little bit more to have them in two separate cities because that's two totally separate crews of people that you have to have from your uh, from your tournament director, your scorekeepers, everybody has to be totally separate. There is no sharing of people, camera crews, or the whole nine yard, logistically, logistically speaking. So that, well, wanted, that's go ahead. Well, I was going to say, wouldn't you have, wouldn't you have two crews anyway? Even if it were per se 
in the same city because of the times, uh, you you almost would. I mean, it'd be hard to run one crew at your baseball park and then take a same crew and move them over to softball. So regardless but, of whether. Yeah, you, you would. But some of the logistical things would be like, for instance, hotels. Somebody has to coordinate all the stuff with the hotels. One person could handle that for both tournaments. Meals. Sure. Instead of having to contract with you you could contract with meals to to coordinate the meals between the teams. Softball runs a little bit faster than baseball. So th- those crews, you may do baseball day one for your long for a long day and then day two that crew that did baseball goes over to softball because in theory they'll get finished with softball faster than they will with baseball. So that, so, you know, we spent some 14, 16 hour days at that ballpark, Brian, whereas you could do, you could yeah. play four softball games at about 10 hours. So that would be a benefit to the crews where the, where the crews would not be as tired as you could switch them back and forth. Simple things like that. If they're in the, in the same city. So those are some of the challenges that, that are that that are out there for for trying to host this and trying to come up with how how, how is it going to be done? The the formula is set, the plan is there. It's just dealing with these little logistical things that uh, that have been in discussion. And here's here's the other thing. Would it be a true? It, it would not be a true World Series, though, Brian, because the SIAC champion and the CIAA champion would not be able to compete in this tournament due to regional obligations. So, do you still call it the World Series? Do you tighten it something else? It, it, it is great to have this postseason tournament, but could it truly be for a national championship? When you've got two conference champions who cannot participate, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and and and, and, that, and then how do you market it if the two conference champions cannot participate? Do you just call them the World Series champion, but you and then you still could have a separate national champion? You know that that that's a that's that's something that has to be created creatively marketed, and then will yeah. the teams participate at the at the at that level because it's it, not a true national champion. It's the same debate that I have though with the celebration bowl. The celebration bowl is it a is it it's a bowl game to be. It is not the bowl game. It's not the black college national championship. Now it has determined the Black College National Champion in the past, but it cannot be the Black College National Championship game because currently there are three institutions who are unable to participate. And if one of those teams make a run in the FCS playoffs, me as a pollster, if they make a deep run Mm -hmm. in the FCS playoffs, I'm going to give them serious consideration for the HBCU National Champion. It's going to be, it's going to be that same debate when it comes to this softball. So, just figure out how you want to deal with some of those type issues or the, or the things that we see as uh, 
executive committee members. It, it sure would be nice if you were able to convince the NCAA to allow you to do something in, uh, say, I don't know, June, you know, where you could almost. No, the, NCAA, invite- the NCAA would not be a problem. Who's going to Why keep those kids around? Oh, who's going to keep those kids around on campus practicing until then? That's going to be your issue. How you, how are you going to find finances with these institutions? There's nobody on campus except for those athletes. Those athletic directors don't mind keeping them around for one day after the tournament, maybe a day and a half after the tournament. They're not going to keep them around four days after the tournament in order to participate in this event. That's one reason why in doing this Black College World Series, and I'm going with some insights. So that's why we gave those teams a – allowed those teams to report on Monday, even though the tournament didn't begin until Wednesday. Right. Was because of that. Well, now, some teams, chose, some teams chose to come in on Tuesday, and that was their preference. But we allowed the teams to report on Monday. Which was yeah. well, a day, I, maybe I, I would imagine after the I think you could do something. I, I would, I would like to think you could do something similar, and maybe get these ads who we're you know just you know tossing out there and, and making a blatant blanket statement about. Uh, to, to, if the money's right, you know, and that's the thing. I think money talks, and if you're yeah. able to sort of do it in a way where. You know, maybe you're able to cover their expenses. You know, maybe you get these teams. I don't know. Like you said, it, it is logistics. That, that but that, that's going to be sponsors having to come up with extra coin. Yeah. And this is, I, yeah. I'm not saying it can't be done. But right now. Oh, no, that, that's, that's why I said the challenges. Oh, yeah. There, there's plenty, yeah. Of, plenty of challenges that have to be figured out um, in that whole process. Let's uh let me go through very quickly the Black College Nines top 10 poll for the large school division and then go through our BCSN top 5 for division 1. So the pollsters, people like AD and I uh, in the large school division voted uh Alabama State, the Black College baseball national champions according to Black College Nines. Number two, uh, a little controversially, uh, but I, w- I was happy to see it. Florida A&M came in at number two, ahead of Southern, uh, number three. And I know there were some uh, there were some Southern folks that uh, were in their feelings about that because they'll look at it and say, "Well, we beat FAMU two or three times over the weekend, and we finished second in the SWAC." Um. Southern one, one, one the west. west, one the West. But I think what the pollsters are saying, possibly, is that the East Division of the SWAC was better than the West Division. Now, you know, I, I'll be transparent. I voted Southern two because they finished runner-up and they did win the West. I, I, you know, I, I, I went against the grain and didn't pick. So don't call me a homer. Um, I picked FAMU three out of the swag. So I, I don't, I'm not going to ask you how you voted unless you wanted to share, Drew. But what are your I thoughts? Believe, just I, I actually that? believe I voted FAMU too. 
I really do believe Really? That. Okay. So so you're one of those guys. Why did you vote FAMU 2 over Southern? What was Strength it that you saw? Huh? Strength of schedule. Okay. Double one. Double one, uh, strength of schedule, uh, better competition in the East. Uh, I, I, non-conference record. Fam, you had a better non-conference record than, than Southern. So those are the top three reasons why I lean more towards FAMU. Okay. I, like I said, in the end, you know, people will have their different validations for it. And I, and I always say as long as as a pollster you can stand by what you, what you voted on, well, so be it. Number four was Coppin State, the MEAC champions. Number five was uh, Texas Southern. That was a little surprising, I'll be honest, uh, given how they perform in the SWAC tournament. Well, Texas Southern didn't get any respect from me on my poll because of their non-conference schedule. And neither did Jackson State. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Delaware State finished six. Prairie View finished seven. Bethune, eight. That, actually, Bethune was number That's four for me. I'm, I'm, yeah, That's a shocker. Eight. I don't think Bethune should be that low. Right. I Again, uh, Bethune finished eight, but uh, it is what it is. Jackson State, nine. Grambling State, ten. Okay, let's take a look at the BCSN top five final rankings. Rankings. These are computer-based rankings. What the metrics say. What the computers say about the data. The data says that... The number one team, of course, was Alabama State. 34 and 24, finishing with 197 points. In fact, the top five teams in Division I were all from the SWAT. Number two was Southern. Number three was Florida A&M. Number four was Bethune. And number five was Grambling. Uh, I think that's almost kind of how, with the excited, at least that's how my top four was when I voted in the in the Black College Nines poll, but uh, that's your <laughs> that's the top five right there. So, yeah, uh, what, what's your what's your takeaways on, uh, on on the top five? No, me yet. That's my takeaway. The biggest thing was no me yet. You you thought maybe the BAC champion would have snuck in at number five, but they didn't. And and I since I saw the full list, uh Coppin State was number six. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. And I believe Delaware State was number eight. Um Okay, uh, I wanted to move forward. A couple other baseball notes before we head to a break here at the top of the hour. Uh, how about Shamar Page? The uh, SWAC Pitcher of the Year uh, was named a Collegiate Baseball All-American. I'm reading out of Black College Nines um, from uh, Michael Coker's post from a couple days ago. Uh, Collegiate Baseball had their NCAA Division I All-American Baseball teams and Natural Players of the Year. Grambling State pitcher Shamar Page was named to the All-American second team 
Uh, Paige was also a Black College Nines elite second team large school selection. Uh, he ranked second in the nation in strikeouts with 143. He led the SWAC where opponents only hit 193 off of him, posted a 2.60 ERA average, had a record of 8-5. and five. Um, Of course, Page was named National Co-Pitchers of the Week for his no-hit perfect game back uh, during the season against Alcorn State in a 16-0 victory. He was the 31st pitcher since... 1959 to throw a perfect game in division one college baseball and the first to do it since 2019 when uh, a, a young man from East Carolina did that. So um, I think in that particular game, page had a career high 13 strikeouts, uh, really a man. He did it. In, it was a seven inning game too. So, you know, he didn't have to go a full nine innings. Uh, he did it in seven, which was, you know, because of the run rule. That That's how it is in, in uh, co- college baseball. So uh, congrats to uh, Shamar Page on, uh, on that recognition. Um, let's take a break because I, I wanted to come back and we'll get him to talk a little bit, ba- a, a little more baseball. But I think on the other side, we got to make sure we, we properly mention The NCAA track and field nationals are happening this weekend in Eugene, Oregon. Um, A host, about a dozen or so HBCU athletes are participating. Primarily, the largest contingent, of course, is from North Carolina A&T. But there are a few other schools represented. So we'll kind of just kind of go through some of those names and schools on the other side of the break. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean? Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them! It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, cream bottom. (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, 
offering a variety of different flavors in a single serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. And um want to thank you guys for watching, tuning in, listening, however you're doing it. want to encourage you, if you're listening to the show via all the BCSN pod zone, make sure whatever platform you're listening to us on. And the pod zone, of course, is everywhere. Uh, Spotify, Apple, Google's, uh, Anchor, iHeartRadio, just go search BCSN Pod Zone. You can find us everywhere you download and listen to podcasts. And uh, do me a favor. If you get a chance, go ahead and give us a, a, a ratings. There's a lot of shows that we run on the Pod Zone, just our, not only our show, uh, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, the ONG Strike Zone. Um, we'll have episodes sometime from the pregame show, Carlos Brown's show, every which comes on every Saturdays there. Brave Talk with our good friend Charles Edmonds. Sometimes we'll have his shows there as well. So, uh, And there will be more. New podcasts are coming in the 22-23 season. So, uh, you know, be looking out for, for that. Uh, okay, Drew. The... I'm going to leave. I know you did the uh, minority baseball prospects all-star game, but before I, before we go, we're kind of watch, follow me here with the transition I'm going to do here. Um, one of the big announcements that came out, uh, obviously, when, let's see, we did a show. When's the last time we did a show? It was like uh, the 20. 20- last, we did one two weeks ago. Right. Before, yeah. Okay. Uh, so Monday before Memorial Day. Right. Okay. So right about that time was when we heard that uh, we got the we got the news that uh, Coach uh, Reginald Hollins of Tuskegee, Tuskegee Baseball, had decided to resign at the end of June from uh, his position as Tuskegee's baseball coach, and. 
just announced yesterday that Coach Hollins is now the president and COO of Minority Baseball Prospects uh, with with Alex Weiss, who is the founder and CEO. Alex has been one of the faces uh, that, that many people have seen. But now you got Coach Hollins. So I come to you, Drew, and I ask you, your thoughts on on Coach Hollins leaving Tuskegee, and then what do you think he what do you think he brings to what Minority Baseball Prospects has been doing for uh, minority youth in baseball, and and then of course with the uh, HBCU All Star Game. I I would need to put that in, this story into full perspective before I give my opinion. Also. About that same time that Reggie announced that he was stepping down from Tuskegee University, Alex Weich also announced that he was stepping down as head baseball coach at Redan High School in in Atlanta. And Redan is a black high school and one of the top baseball programs in the state of Georgia with uh, Coach White having led Redan to the finals, to the if game in the finals just less than two weeks ago for Redan. Oh, wow. Okay. So, nice. you know, so now let's put this in perspective. The top two people in MVP, Minority Baseball Prospects, are walking away from their coaching jobs to focus on this full time. Now, mm-hmm. we've seen what they have been able to do with MVP part-time. Mm-hmm. Now, just think of everybody, everything they've done, all the athletes that they've worked with, all the camps that they have run. Now, with them being able to focus on MVP on a full-time basis i I am really thinking that this i'm I'm, let me let me say that again i know that mvp will be going to a new level whereas mvp will be talked about like img is in basketball Mm. that's my perspective that's where this organization is on the track to doing it's going to be the IMG for black youth in baseball. Oh, that, that's interesting. I mean, I you 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 know, IMG has that educational component to their schools. I mean, are you? I mean, obviously, you spent some time no. with those guys. I mean, are you are you hinting at something? Or are you predicting? No, something? no, what no, no. I, I'm just oh, talking okay. about all the athletic uh, portion of it that. You know, IMG mask as a a school, you and I both know. But uh, (laughs) right, exactly. (laughs) But as far as the training and everything else that that goes along with institutions such as that, that's where this organization is going. Uh, Well, hey, uh, congrats and uh, and shout out to uh, uh, Alex. Coach Weish and uh, Coach Hollins. I mean that that's a that's a that's a nice one-two combo 
uh, that that I think will do wonders. And, and they are so well connected with other youth minority uh, programs, uh, especially uh, with programs like the MVP and uh, and, and others. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully they can continue to grow at, at the level where, you know, like I, I don't know, you know, where some of their alumni are. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm sure there are players who are coming up that will eventually start making their way onto college and MLB rosters. And so I think that's where the program will really grow. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of watch and follow. So with that transition, obviously the second annual HBCU All-Star Game took place this past Friday in Truist Park, which I thought, you know, that's the home of the Braves. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, that, the, the organization's based out of Atlanta. Atlanta's sort of the super hub. Uh, where, let's see, last year they did it at Hoover when um, – Yes, the Hoover Met. The first year, yeah, the Hoover Met. And so this year, a big-time upgrade to uh, the home of the world champions. Uh, what was your What was your overall take – uh, from 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 the weekend. First time at Truist Park, first of all. And you're talking about a tremendous facility. Uh, just before you even get to where we were at, just walking through the corridors and seeing all the the Hank Aaron and the Eddie Matthews and the Phil Decro and the uh, Dale Murphys and the uh, all of the other historical players from the Braves uh, from the Braves through all three cities. A lot of people don't know that the Braves have been in three cities: Boston to Milwaukee to Atlanta, and you saw artifacts representing all three cities of, of Braves history. Uh, that was number one. Number two, and I wish I would have sent it to you, Brian, the vendors section. O-M-G. It I heard was you like, yes, uh, and, and I've got to send you the video that, that, uh, that I took there. And there were probably at least – 50 vendors, probably closer to 75 vendors set up in, in the corridors of Truist Park. You know how when you go into homecoming, Brian, and you, you know how you have to park and walk, seem like you got to walk a mile to get to the stadium because there's no parking close. Yeah. And right. you walk by everybody and their mama selling something. That's what, that's what Truist Park was like, except it was a lot more confined area. T-shirts, hats, smell goods, uh, uh, per, per, personal uh, personal items, insurance salesmen, financial advisors, uh, you name it. There was somebody there who looked like you, who looked like me, who looked like my wife, looked like my daughter, my son, selling it. Just think about okay. that, and, and, and I said that there were that many black people 
who were who have a product to market who were doing who were doing it there and although you had a t-shirt on your table and i was 40 feet from you with a t-shirt on my table i was not competing against you with price Mm -hmm. yours may have been five dollars more but you weren't competing against me because you you had your product niche i had my product niche and then while i'm walking through the vendor section here comes a band a high school band just playing the drum line from a high school band <laughs> okay just walking just you know how you know how they the band walks into the stadium on a football mm-hmm. game that's what this yeah. high school band did that's exactly okay. what they did just walk through the crowd playing 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 their song stop doing did a little routine moved a few more feet down the line stop did a little routine i mean it was it, it was a homecoming spring coming type atmosphere brian and that this is before you even get comfortable in the press box yeah so uh getting the chance to go down on the field and just looking up at the in the in, in the stands at how huge that place is and you can see the you can see all the players looking like wow i'm, I'm getting ready to play here in in this facility so mm-hmm. uh talking to some of the players they i we thought they were excited for the tyson foods world series nah, they were excited for this also those who were happy to play in both so this was uh this was an experience for for them and then called in the game uh just try to keep it keep it up with the game watching these kids get, give their all doing that there were professional scouts there in the stands there were some players who were going on to play in other leagues uh who missed time with other leagues just to come play in, in the all-star game think about that brian i'm going to go play in another league but i like can i report three days late so I can play in this in this league, so I can be an all star. Yeah. That's that's how much this meant to these HBCU players. That's what's up. That's good. That's good. Well, I I got a chance to hear a little bit of the call. You and Jamie Walker, you guys sounded good. Uh, low scoring game, six to two. So yeah, you you had a you had a little bit of you had you had a you know some runs, but it it wasn't uh, it wasn't ridiculous. Uh, obviously. You know, with so many all-star pitchers, everyone's probably pitching, you know, one, one inning. inning. Yeah. So. Each team had one person had to go to. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that was usually the starter. That was probably your starter. Uh, don't don't ask me those questions right now. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, any home <laughs> runs? or what was, uh, <laughs> Any home runs? Any home runs? No home runs? No. No, no home runs. Uh, saw a couple outfield assists. Okay, I feel I feel the sense via relay. Uh, two two people two people got thrown out, and one in the third week. If I do if I do remember uh, correctly, saw saw obviously a couple of great defensive plays there. Uh, saw a textbook hit and run play. The mm-hmm. I, I don't have the the score sheet in front of me. Runner on, run on first, runner broke for second, second baseman with the cover. Where does the ball get hit? Right where the second baseman used to be standing at. 
perfect hit and run into 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 right field. So uh and he has squeeze like plays. No. Any no. squeeze plays? No squeeze plays? No, no squeeze plays. Team Grissom was aggressive. Home? No, no, nobody saw home. Although you had a couple people try to take some extra bases when they shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Team I'm Grissom sure, was very sure. aggressive on the on the base pass, uh, which is a reflection of how he played. And, well, uh, hold on. I was going to say, and, and go back to who you had Team Grissom, which was named for Marquise Grissom. Uh, and who was the other team? Team Freeman for Marvin Freeman. Okay. Now, I know Marquise uh, Grissom, of course, a CMU grad. Where did Marvin Freeman go to school? Uh, Jackson State. Ja- okay, Jackson State. Okay. Right. Three, three of right. the four coaches were HBCU uh, graduates. So okay. the two, uh, two assistants. And the fourth coach was a – and if you give me a second, I will pull up my – Information. Let's see. Luke, Luke, well, Luke, who was drafted out of high school, out of Chicago vocational high school, was the was the assistant coach on Team Freeman, and on Team uh, Grissom, Lenny Webster, who played for the Montreal Expos, was a, is a Grambling uh, is a Gramblingite. Okay. Nice, nice. Uh, any talk on where the third annual All-Star Game will be? I don't think they've caught their breath from the second one yet, Brian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> got to have those things in order. We got to know. We got to be excited about, uh, you know, next year. It kind of worked out, too, that the Braves were out of town. So I, I think that's a, also a, a big factor. And I, I got I to gotta imagine having somebody like Marquise Grissom, who I, I think uh, he lives in the Atlanta era area and i think he probably has some connections with the braves organization as well um but 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 i think the braves and hollins does too coach hollins does yeah and i believe let's see speak speaking of braves uh let's see luca no marvin also played with the braves marvin freeman okay uh played with with, uh played with the braves from 90 to 93 uh, he played for okay. fourteen, but he played with the Braves from ninety to ninety-three. Luke Caillou, uh okay. most notably with the uh, with the Phillies, and then he right. wrestled, like I well, said, most notably with the uh, ex- with the Expos. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, congrats to uh, everybody, uh, MVP. Um, who, who helped put that together. Uh, shout out to the BCSN staff. Did a good job on uh, broadcasting that that event. Hey, uh, we did mention, Drew, that uh, when we came back from, uh, from the last break that the NCAA Track and Field Nationals in Eugene, Oregon, beginning uh, the middle of the week, June 8th through the 11th. And... I'm not going to go through all of the names. Uh, I know there are more men participating in events than women. Uh, I believe, you know, there's a full listing here. Maybe we can uh, publish this list or somehow get it out. But, you know, I just kind of did an aggregate of kind of seeing where everyone is uh, in terms of the number of events. Uh, I, I counted nine different men's events, including a pair of relays. Uh, 
The uh, AMT relay team is participating in the four by 100 and the four by four, which they are not only the uh, defending champs, but they have had the fastest time this year in the four by four with a time of 301.59. But then you also have, and of course, the 400 meter dash defending champion, Randolph Ross, who's also the fastest time holder. Uh, A&T has, by my count, 11 men, three women participating in nationals. Uh, and Ross is other... in three events. Right. Ross is in three events. Uh, he's running the... The 400, the 4x1, the 4x4. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good Good call. Um, the other two athletes for the men are from Coppin State and Prairie View A&M. Uh, Joseph Manu from Coppin State is running in the 100 and the 200. Uh, so so he, uh, AMT actually has Javante. You mentioned, uh, you know, Harding running three, three also. Yeah, I was just going to say Javante Harding, who's a sophomore, he's running in the 100, the 200, and the 4 by one Right. So he, he's in three events. Um, you know, there's a couple of Aggies that are in the 400 meter hurdles. Uh, but just in total, what I say, uh, 10, 14 men, uh, uh, 11 men, three women. Prairie View A&M also has uh, a young man, uh, Nathan Crawford Wallace, who is in the triple jump. And so he is the third uh, male, or he, he represents the third school, I guess is a better way of saying it. Over on the women's side, of course, you've got A&T. Howard actually has four women. Uh, they're primarily make up their four by 400 meter relay team, but you also have uh, one of those members off that team, Jessica Wright, who's running in the 400 meter hurdles. Uh, and then you have uh, a young lady, uh, running the 200 meter dash, um, so that that's the four from Howard, and then there are three women from A&T, and then of course uh, FAMU has a young man Rachel Robertson who's in the triple jump. I'm surprised, Drew, that no distance runners. You know, I mean, I guess we our HBCUs aren't really recruiting uh, from our root in Africa and <laughs> and bringing home any of these uh, these fabulous African distance runners to our HBCUs because none of them are we, we don't have any HBCUs in the distance in the distance events I, I was going through the list and I don't see any of them in the distance but what up with that that's that's crazy it is what it is yep is what it is. All right, coming up on another break. Let's take a let's take a quick two minute break. Come back with our final segment here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. Just want to let you know we are actually also on Cash App. So hey, you want to drop? Hungry for authentic Caribbean food? All right. Well, uh, we're canceling the commercial. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean? Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them! It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, cream bottom. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? You see Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome everybody to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul. Okay, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. AD, are you there? Because I don't know if I can hear you or you can hear me. I hear yep, you loud and clear. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Hey, wanna uh, wanna remind or let you know that uh, you can find the Black College Sports Network on Cash App. That's uh, my JBN, my BCSN. Of course, you got to put the little. The little uh, the little dollar sign there, but if you want to drop us a cup of coffee uh, in, in support of the Black College Sports Network, you can do that anytime, day, night, 
you know, whether it be one dollar, ninety-nine cents, two fifty, four ninety-nine, whatever you want to do to support what we are doing, support black media, uh, any of our shows, whether it be our show, the uh Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab, uh, the ONG, Carlos Brown. Uh, I know though I know you know, it's funny, all of those shows, we all have our different uh support vehicles, but it really you know, we, I, I just want to take a second and say thank you because there's a lot, you know, we, there's a lot of uh, places you could go to listen and hear different commentary about things. And so uh, your support of what we're doing at the Black College Sports Network means a lot. And we continue to try to get better every year. Uh, coming up on another year here at the end of June, getting ready to start the 22, 23 year. Um, this is, uh, it's a labor of love and it just keeps, keeps getting better and better every year. So we keep taking steps forward. So we do that with you. And so I just wanted to take a second to say, thank you. Um, okay. Uh, where was I going to go here, Drew, before I got sidetracked? I have no idea. Let's talk football for a second. Nothing gets people fired up like football. We're probably under a hundred days from. I I I told you what, what about, I'm not going to do about eighty five days. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I I know when <laughs> week zero is. I know when Labor Day is. That's it. That's all I care about. Uh, I know when Swack Media Day is. I know when the other media. Day, well, actually, I don't know when the other media days. Is anybody else? Drop the dates on their media days yet? Not to my knowledge, but it would be nice. I could go ahead and get my plane tickets if I need them to get to some right, of these. Media right, right. Hey, Miak. Hey, that's, I'll tell you which which media day are you most looking forward to? Because I think there's some interesting things happening in, that could be happening in some of these media days. Whose media day are you most looking forward to? Just one of the four. Yeah. Oh. All right. Let me let me let me think. Obviously, you've got you've got you've got the swag and everything you know that's going on with the swag with a pretty much a whole new brand new Western division. Give me the breakdown. I, I, I'm just I, I'm trying to break it down. SIEC West, all new coaches. Uh, CIAA can. Can Fayetteville State finally get over the hump since since uh, Bowie State lost their head coach and David Wilson? Yeah. And the BAC with, uh, you know, South Carolina State had a subpar stat season, except they won the big game. Yeah, right. subpar right. regular season, except they won the big game. Whew. Out of the four, wow, Brian! Can I can I find my? I, I'll go, my I'll go, I'm going to go. I I am going to go chalk. I'm going to go swack one. Sac. Oh my gosh! Come on, that's so chalk. That's so that's chalk. chalk. It's chalk. I'm actually going to sac. I mean, I. I don't think you're going to tell me anything new in the swag that I don't already know. I, I I'm mean, really interested in the West. 
Yeah. Five of the six. You got, you got uh, every team in the West except one has a new coach quarterback combo. Everybody except Texas Southern has a new coach quarterback combo. Right. Good point. Good you point. Know, um, so oh, that's interesting. That, that's what, that. that's yeah. what makes that, that's what makes the West interesting. SIAC West. Everyone in the SIAC West has a new head. Well, hold on, hold on. Here's why the SIAC is interesting. What is the divisions going to look like? That's the big question. Is there going to be and, – and you have a the commissioner. Uh, and a, um, a new commissioner um, coming. You, uh, right. Who was it? Moore who left? Uh, yeah, Moore stepped down. Moore. Moore steps down. Moore. I don't know why I said Monroe. But Moore, I think of Greg Monroe. Uh, Moore steps down. Uh, from his position as the SIC commissioner. So what is the SIC structure looking like there? And then, of course, you've got – Can I answer that before you move on? Quickly, quickly. Morehouse is moving. The question to everyone most know is – Wait a minute. How do you know Morehouse is moving? Is that what you've heard something? Yes, yes. Morehouse is going to the West. Is is okay. Clark going also going to the West? That's the question. What does that do about? So that means Edward Waters comes in on the East. east. Allen University comes in on the East. Uh, yes. So that's uh, that's six. So what is it? Six it's going to be seven. It's going to be seven six. The question is, which side is odd? If they okay, so okay, I got you. I got you. Whether the east is the odd side or the west is the odd side, it's I been the east. Got, it's traditionally have been the east because of Morehouse. Wherever Morehouse goes, that's going to be the odd side usually. Okay, but here, ask this. Ask yourself this question: the rivalry with I don't know if it's a rivalry, but let's just say the, the Clark Atlanta, the Clark Morehouse thing, which happens at the end of the season. If that has to happen, you're taking that west. Look, the the, the Morehouse Tuskegee rivalry is more important for the SIC to preserve than a Clark Morehouse rivalry. Well, that becomes a Western uh, Western Division game now. Correct. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I, I that's think why I all say, more that's, reason that's why, why Morehouse goes. Yeah. Um, the question is: Do you take Clark? I think you take Clark. I think you make seven in the West. I don't know why you wouldn't take Clark. I don't know why you wouldn't let Clark go over to the West. All right. Which means you I, got I don't all see your, the, Which means you would have three Georgia schools. You had three Georgia schools, two South Carolina schools, and a Florida school in the East. No, and then, no, no. Yes. And then two you additional have one Georgia schools. One Georgia no. school. The East would have school. three. Three Georgia schools. Albany State, Fort Valley, Savannah State. Oh, two South hell. Carolina yeah, schools. You. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Two, the two schools in Columbia, South Carolina, which will be buried to the hill. Right. And, 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 then, and, and then Ever Waters. And then Ever Waters exactly. and Jacksonville. That would be the East. Yeah. And then the West would have, have the other that. two Georgia schools. The, the other two Georgia schools, Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee, yep. 
and, and, and yeah. Alabama. You you got it. Okay, so we've solved it for you. We've solved it for the SIC. There it is. Seven in the West, six in the East. Just that's how you have to do it. And anything else looks ridiculous. And I and I'll 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 say that that's what it is. Um, there it is. So now, but now that's what I'm interested. Here's, here's the SIC question. When when it comes down to it, for basketball, do you move Clark Ed or Bullhouse back to the East? Because the your two schools who don't play football are in the West. LeBoyne Owen and Spring Hill. That's gonna be the one I'm interested in. What what do you do with basketball and uh, and uh and every other sport? All right, but where where are those schools? Isn't Lemoyne Owen somewhere in uh Tennessee? Miss Memphis Memphis. No, oh, they're gonna be in the West. They're going to be in the West. Lamar on the spring here will be in the West. The question is, do you move Clark and Morehouse back oh, to the back East? To, I got you. I basketball. Got you. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Interesting decisions ahead. That's why I want to see the SIC. Give me something new. Give me something new. Um. All right. So two of the bigger news stories that came out have to do with football coaches, as we just talked about which uh, conference uh, has our has our interest as it relates to spring, or I'm sorry, um, media day. But you've got the announcement that came out. I don't know which happened first, but I think the Damon Wilson move to Morgan State from Bowie State happened. Really, I, And I, what's so funny is that happened after we had just talked about it I think we mentioned, I don't know where we were when we mentioned it. We, we may have been talking offline where we talked about Damon Wilson leaving Morgan. And we were like, nah, there's no way he would leave Bowie State for Morgan. <laughs> yeah, there's no way he'd leave Bowie for Morgan. And sure enough, what did he do? Bam, he up and leaves for for Morgan State. He There, there really hasn't been the introductory press conference. That will happen is- on Friday, I believe. Yes. June 10th, uh, June 10th, 10 o'clock in the morning. So that'll be Friday. But but that has not stopped the sort of buzzing surrounding Coach Wilson, who uh, not only do you have Bowie State players jumping in the portal, like, you know, like they jump it off of a sinking ship. Uh, they have, I, I've seen at least about half a dozen Bowie State players in the portal, and there may be more. I don't know. Uh, how far away is Bowie from Morgan? Oh, uh, forty-five minutes, Stone maybe. Point? Yeah, so uh, uh, they put to you like this. That remember, Brian? If you go back three years ago, it's close enough where I did the DC, Baltimore, Bowie track all in the same day. Yes, that's right. I remember that. And, yes. They went to all three football games. Yeah. Uh, so some of the, the conversation last week, uh, Coach Wilson on a podcast with uh, Mark Gray um, on HBCU Sports Nation's uh, podcast uh, had some interesting quotes in, you know, obviously he's taken over for Ty Wheatley, Tyrone Wheatley, who uh, in the two seasons that he was there, that team went five and eighteen overall, three and ten in the MEAC. And, and of course, we we paid attention to the track that Morgan that Bowie State was on 
under Coach Wilson to the point where uh, they what they got to the regional finals, yes. uh, final four, something like that. Um, uh, they, they got to the regional finals one regional year. Finals. Uh, uh, they got to the regional finals, then and, and they've made the regionals three consecutive years, and they got they picked up a win this year in the uh, regionals. Yeah, they he he had pretty much turned Bowie into a power that really many people thought. Look, I was one of those people that they forgot Bowie, Bowie was a basketball school. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He he really changed that program around. But uh, a couple of comments or a couple of quotes have people kind of scratching their head about what is the future for Morgan. I mean, I, look, we know there's been the rumblings about the MIAC and who is and who isn't staying or might stay, and we know that the MIAC says they're all together. But I thought it interesting, Drew, that – uh, in talking to Mark Gray, Wilson says, quote, I'm not trying to just win a celebration bowl. I want to win a national championship. In order to do that, you must be a PWI school at your level. So from an FCS standpoint, you must beat those universities to have a shot. Morgan State has always or Morgan State would always be an HBCU, is an academic institution. However, if the football and athletic program moves to a different conference, then we would just have to play football in that conference. I, so, you know, toss some more, toss some more coal on the fire, uh, on the fire pit, Drew, as that as the fire was starting to simmer down. And uh, what do you think? Is Coach just talking? Do you think he's been tipped off to something? When you hear those comments, what? how do you read that? Wishful thinking. Mm. I I don't think – I don't think Morgan is in the position. And let's ask the better question, Brian. Does anyone else want Morgan? We know they want Howard. We know yeah. they want Norfolk. Do they want yeah. Morgan? That is the question. Yeah, it is. Good question. Good question. Um, you know, I I think what he's – I it would be interesting to see what the comparable athletic budgets are. Like, I know more uh, – I, I got to go back and look at – maybe we'll talk about that later. Um one of the things that you and I talked about doing is uh, doing these things uh, that we call summer shorts to uh, to kind of talk talk about on maybe a topic or two in a short, abbreviated time span, more on a daily basis. Maybe that's something we can look into later this week is look at the comparable athletic budgets of Bowie and Morgan. They shouldn't be comparable, right? You wouldn't think. And it well, should maybe, be easy to they find are. because they're pu- they're public institutions, right? Right. So maybe maybe they are. It'll be interesting to see what is Morgan State working with. You know, um, I think that there is a lot of there's some tradition there, uh, which a lot of people aren't aware of when it comes to Morgan State. But 
I think they got the right guy. Um, I, I think this is probably one of the more shocking hires can, this year. Can I, right? throw some, can I throw something? When's the last yeah. time we've seen a coach go from D2 to FCS? It's been a while, Brian. It has been a while. Yes, it has. Yeah, it, it's a good transition. I mean, I think that speaks to where he built Bowie. I don't think many people – I mean, look, Bowie has won the Black College National Champion at that level the last three seasons, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct, correct. Um, you want the last, How about Billy Joe? Billy Joe going from Central State to FAMU. NAIA. NAIA at that point. Yeah. Um, how about uh, a Hall of Fame coach? Uh, oh. Uh from Virginia Union to Hampton, Joe Taylor. Joe Taylor. Uh, but, but that's Taylor, that but was, the, the top, look how long ago that was, though. Yeah, you're talking more recently within, within the, the past. Next, within the last 10 years? 10, 15. Yeah. It's unprecedented. Yeah, um, but I think that speaks volumes on where people – so without, without making a stop as a assistant, it's unprecedented in today's time. Yeah, well, I, I think this will be an interesting press conference on Friday, and that's happening Friday. Uh, the, the the Damon Wilson introductory presser for Morgan State going down on June 10th. Another football coach that uh, is sort of making a move and sort of not, I thought this too was a surprise. Uh, <clears throat> I don't even think it's been three months, but uh, Reginald Ruffin at Tuskegee. Uh, has said that this is his last year as a head coach. Um, I, I think he's going to, what, focus strictly on being an athletic director. Uh, they've named Aaron James the next head coach. So it really is an opportunity for Ruffin to co- sort of really set the table for James and not only the program. Uh, you, you as a Tuskegee guy with boots on the ground, people in the know, what are your thoughts on Ruffin's decision? Um, just in general, I was a little surprised by it, but I, but I think it's a good move for him. Worst kept secret, uh, Brian. Uh, those in the know at Tuskegee knew this was coming. Honestly, okay. back when they were doing the coaching search, most of us thought Aaron James was going to be named the head coach back in December. Mm, okay. We were all shocked when Reginald Ruffin was named athletic director, then named himself to be the head coach. Then the next thing was, okay, that leaves Aaron James out. And Aaron James is a Tuskegee graduate let's put that out there so he's so he's uh he's coming home to tuskegee has coached at tuskegee university also and i believe they were both assistants under coach slater at tuskegee james was james under uh comedy james may have been he under comedy james played under comedy from comedy. to one Right, I'm trying to remember if he coached under Comedy though. That's what I'm trying to. No, he was at Miles. He was at my. He was at Miles with uh, with with uh, Ruff. Okay, before he went to Bethune. Correct, because he, he came he came from Bethune to to Tuskegee. 
So, but yeah, we we all do. We we knew this this was coming. Uh, com- common knowledge within the family, as the, as they like to say. So worst, I love I love the way you said that. One of worst kept secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was common knowledge in the fam. So yeah, if you knew, you uh, knew. If you weren't in the family, exactly. then uh, yeah, then you you, you you didn't know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But it was not my job to repeat it. Put it to you like that. I got you. I got you. Um, I noticed the uh, the the drawings or some of the. I, I took a look at the new football field house. Is that what they're calling that? Uh, yes. You know, I I know they tore down. I know I saw pictures of some shed they got tore down. I don't know what that was. Um, <laughs> don't don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it to you like this, Brian. That, 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 that's, that's a, that, that, that was a temporary structure anyway. That temporary <laughs> structure has been around for 25 years. That's all I'm going to say. And they said, we got to move this thing. Let's go ahead and send some pictures out. Let's take some, <laughs> hey, big things happening at the ski. Let's take I just photo. I just hope they got something done by August. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, first, what, second week of September. Will fans be back in the audience in the in the stands uh, at Tuskegee in August, September? Uh, uh, according to Coach Reginald Ruffin, there's no way in hell he playing without fans. Quote unquote, huh? Yeah, that, I'm paraphrasing that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hey, I just want to remind everybody again, make sure to look out for AD and I's summer shorts, which a new new little segment that will be, I'm not literally saying they won't be on a hanger anywhere, so you won't be able to grab them and take them them off. But anyway, it's a new thing we're going to try to just bring some content on a daily basis, try to have a little fun. Uh, we've got some fun stories, man. I, you know, yeah, I don't tell, know. Some you want to give a hint about that first topic? Some of them are, some of them are, some of them are kind of serious. That's all I can say. <laughs> some of them are kind of serious. You know, they need to be talked about. You know, but we will try to have some fun uh, with it. Hopefully, we won't get in trouble. I, all I'm gonna say is, uh, Norfolk State, you on the clock. Yeah, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. So, Norfolk State. Uh, but but we got some other stuff that we'll get to. So, every day we'll kind of talk about something new and drop it out there. A lot shorter than our normal two hours of ranting and, and sharing news, facts, and information uh, that we do in this uh, long-form version. So, hopefully you guys like it. Uh, maybe every now and then we'll bring in a guest. Uh, one final note, Drew, as we close, the uh, College Football Hall of Fame ballot for 2023 came out now they have two different divisions for the fbs schools and they have the divisional level which would be your twos threes fcs uh level schools and i was browsing through trying to find various players and coaches from the hbcu levels that are on the ballot and it just so happened that mississippi valley state has four players on the um, on the players list. Um, Ashley Ambrose from the uh, 
from the early 90s, Vincent Brown from the late 80s, uh, Parnell Dickinson from the mid-70s, and Bob Gaddis also from the mid-70s. Um, so that they have four guys. You also had uh, William Dillon of Virginia Union from the early 80s, Timmy Newsom from Winston-Salem State in the late 70s, Tyrone Poole from Fort Valley State. Uh, he played in the early 90s, early mid-90s at Fort Valley. Um, and he, you know, of course, had an NFL career that was pretty good. Uh, so he made that list. So I think that's a total of seven players. And then a, a couple of coaches. Uh, how about Eddie Hurt? And, you know, if you ever read my article about uh, HBCU uh, dynasties, which I, along with, uh, had the pleasure of working with Dr. Cavill on that, uh, just kind of looking at the legacy of coaching cha- of, of championships by coaches. I mean, obviously, today we live in this era of Nick Saban as the goat of goats, but, uh, you know, we wanted to bring out various names who were actually goats in their own right before Nick Saban, and one of those names was Eddie Hurt of Morgan State. Uh, He was the coach at Morgan State from 1930 to 1959, almost 30 years. Uh, He led Morgan State to six Black College National Championships and 14 CIAA titles. He had 11 undefeated seasons, including the 1943 team that did not allow a score from a single opponent. Let me repeat that. The 1943 team did not allow a score from a single opponent. Uh, There was even a 54-game streak without a loss from 32 to 39. So, I mean, we talk about legacies and just the dynasty. Uh, That is what Wilson, Coach Wilson, is going to try to rebuild and remind people of. And so it kind of works as great timing. I hope Coach Wilson is able to incorporate uh, the Hurt family or mention Eddie Hurt in his introductory press conference because that's what he uh, that's what he's walking in standing on. Another name of HBCU coaching fame, Gideon Smith from Hampton, 1921 to 1940. Uh, he led the Pirates to the 1922. 100 years ago, Drew, the Black College National Championship he recorded four CIAA titles, two unbeaten seasons in his career. He is still the longest tenured coach in Hampton history, which is interesting, boasting the second most wins all time at the school. I would guess that's probably behind Joe Taylor, who might have the most wins at Hampton. But he still is the longest tenured coach. So that just uh, released from the college football hall of fame. So I I just wanted to mention that in drew before we uh, get out of here, any, any last word or anything you want to mention before we go? No, Brian, it's it's time for us to pick up this show and get up out of here, man. All right. So be looking for sometime Wednesday morning uh, because we'll do it probably we'll do sometime Tuesday uh, be looking for Wednesday morning, the start of our summer shorts, the BCSM Sports Wrap Summer Shorts, AD and I, maybe a few, maybe a guest or two here and there, but that should be fun. Um, you can always support the show 
uh, by going to myjbn.com slash support, or you can go to our new cash app, which is uh, just cash app symbol, the dollar sign, myjbn, mybcsn. Just like how you can find us when you go to the Google or Apple Play Store um, and download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mybcsn1, the number one. And then go rate uh, us when you check out the podcast on the BCSN Pod Zone. Make sure that you have uh, you know liked, uh, rated, give us a nice rating if you would, five stars, and go check out all of the shows that are part of the BCSN Pod Zone. So uh, like, uh, rate, share, subscribe, all of that good stuff. So that's going to do it for tonight's show. Thank you to everybody for watching, listening. Shout out, shout out to Bell for hanging in there on the, uh, behind the keyboard. Shout out to Super Producer Mel. Uh, we love you. Appreciate you. And uh, for every, and, and you guys, we thank you for watching and listening to the Sports Wrap. Tomorrow night, Dr. Gaville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab comes on 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, right here on the Black College Sports Network. For A.D. Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. Be smart. Peace out. Ahala. Uh-huh.